Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Barrett Inn. My name is Matt. I'm joined as always by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty solid, man. Coming off of a big win this past weekend. Absolutely. And we'll uh, we'll jump more in that in a second. I did want to kick off the podcast with uh, a little bit. I'll call it like a, a Baylor basketball section. Because we are ramping up for men's and women's basketball. And they had the preseason media polls come out. And on the men's side, the men were picked third in the to finish third in the Big 12 behind Kansas and Texas. And they are in the AP preseason poll, they are ranked number eight in that. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on the rankings, those preseason polls um, headed into the basketball season. Yeah, man. Uh, what's really funny is like we don't have a we don't have a football game this week, and I feel like we've got more stuff to talk about than ever on the on the, the pod tonight. For sure. Um, but no, I, I'm I'm super excited. Um, I've I've seen I think I've seen some Baylor fans that are a bit uh, less than pleased. I'll say it with the rankings that we've got, whether it's the uh, the preseason for the Big Twelve or um, the AP ranking. Um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, anytime you can get a top 10 i know we're coming off a national championship the the highest this program has ever been but no matter what we're replacing 80 percent of our starting five um the best three guards that have ever played at this school um maybe the the biggest beating heart in mark vital that we have ever had um in any sport at baylor all that's going to be sure. so so tough to replace and the way i'm looking at it is you're losing all of that like you're losing a lottery pick and a guy that everybody's calling the steal of the draft and Jared Butler. Um, you've got Mark Vidal playing in the NFL and you've lost all of that. And all the pundits are still saying, yeah, there you're, you're a guaranteed elite eight team from what we think you are in the preseason. Um, and that's huge to me. So I'm super, super stoked. Um, really excited to see uh, basketball season kickoff. Uh, college basketball is one of my favorite things in the entire world. I think we're only like three weeks away. So um, really excited there. 
Um, the Lady Bears also too um, yeah. got a nice little top ten ranking. And our I have to, uh, I have to interrupt you. It's it's Baylor yeah. women's basketball. You know what? You're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. It's been so like I've I've had to say Lady Bears for so long because that's just what it was. But I'm I'm glad it's not anymore. I, I actually had a, a guy that writes for an Iowa State blog reach out to me today and was like, I, I just found out that I don't have to type out Lady Bears anymore. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah it's going to be cool. But they're picked still, to finish first in the Big 12. So, yeah, they're still finished first. They're still filled with talent. Uh, and they were, I think, seven in the AP preseason poll on the women's side. So, yeah, so just right about there. Um, the only thing with on the men's on the men's side, uh, I was a little bit surprised Texas was ahead of Baylor. I understood Kansas, um, and I you know I understand like Baylor like you were talking about we lost three best guards probably we've had um, the glue guy that we've just been to Baylor for so long and vital, but I mean we are I mean Scott Drew has done a lot to bring in talent that's you know waiting in the wings. And based just on what Texas did last year, I didn't feel like it was warranted a number two in the Big 12, even though they they also like filled with they got some talent coming in, some new talent coming in on their side as well. But we'll see how I just don't trust Texas in pretty much any sport. Yeah. What an indictment by the voters on Shaka Smart, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Just don't get me wrong. I, I Chris Beard's a great coach. I'm going to yeah. root against him forever for what he did to Tech. Um, yeah, I, I I loved. I would have loved the thought of him staying there forever and us having like a cool little rivalry with him as much as I would have hated it. Yeah. Um, I I hope he, you know, I hope he knows what he's doing uh, by taking that gig because I I just, I don't know how easy it'll be to be actually successful there. Just with how it feels with everything that goes on with that administration and in all of their athletic programs that aren't swimming and diving. Um, For real. But, but yeah, I think, I think it's just a huge indictment on Shaka smart, which I feel bad about. I still think Shaka's is a really good coach. Um, I think he's going to do good things uh, now that he's not at Texas anymore, but that's just the biggest thing right there. And that everybody thinks that having Chris beard there with the talent that they have is going to make them the number three team in the country. And um I don't see it. So we'll see. Yeah, I just I'm with you. Um, I think I would probably have flipped them. I mean, if you want to say Chris Beard, you get a Chris Beard bump and then the talent they brought in. Fine. You know, you put them in the top three. But uh, I think um, Scott Drew and company probably earned that benefit of the doubt with what they did last year, for sure. You know, you know, who surprised me more than Texas, honestly, and it's been surprising me since last year is UCLA they made a great run in the tournament. Yeah. But the reason it was a great run in the tournament was because they hadn't been that great of a team all season. Um, yeah. And they're 11 seed. Yeah. Going into the tournament. So like, I'm just so surprised that they, they won what, like four games, uh, four games, five games in the tournament. And that suddenly makes them, uh, you know, a top 10, top five team. Well, I think it's I just because I think it's the Gonzaga game more than anything, but they went toe to toe with it. Cause that was the greatest team ever assembled. Yeah, but I mean that's one game. One game. I understand. I know. It's it's I mean, you have to it is media opinions and they they built up Gonzaga to be this great unstoppable force. And then UCLA is just is a, is a storied program, especially in in basketball. 
and to have them, you know, they it'd be nothing more. They would love to have UCLA be the number two team. And because the, a lot of people buy papers, or I should say buy papers, I'm showing my age. A lot of people <laughs> read articles. I'm over here click. saying lady bears, and you're over here saying buying papers. This is just yeah. the old white guy podcast right now. Yeah, I guess I should say like uh, subscriptions, clicking on links, whatever you do these days. Um, but yeah, they a lot of, you know, it's a, you know, big, huge, you know, Los Angeles home team. So. Yeah, college basketball is better when UCLA is better, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, are they? Is that who is the tournament? Who they were? I don't. Who knows? I don't know. But let's let's transition over to Baylor's last game that we played in football, and that was a thirty-eight twenty-four win over, I guess at the time number nineteen ranked BYU, and. When I was watching the game, I never, ever got a sense that it was um, in peril. I should say this. Let me back up. I didn't watch the first half because I was driving back from uh, Baton Rouge. But when I was listening to it on the radio, I, I never was, like, tense or worried based on what I was hearing. What was your uh, take on the game? So I went into the game. Like, I I had a feeling we were going to win, and I picked us to win. I picked us yep. to cover. Um, every bit of analytics and metrics said that we were going to win, but I just, I had, you know, I'm a Baylor fan. So there was like always something in the back of my head and like, okay, just, just don't let this be one of those weekends. And f- exactly as what you're talking about from the get go, we were, we were more physical. We were stronger. We were faster. We were, we, we had different players on the field and I felt like we were, we knew what we were doing a little bit better. Um, a lot of what we talked about with Grimes and Mateos and, those guys coming over from BYU and understanding what was going on. Um, I read some stuff from some of the BYU beat writers as well, talking about how in a lot of ways, these teams were mirror images of each other um, because BYU kind of kept their same scheme and their same style. Um, And I think Aranda knew exactly how to attack it. Um, I think Grimes really drew up a great game plan. And more than anything, I think Abram Smith is just a beast. And absolutely. I, I described him as I described him on Saturday as uh, he's a, he was a car wreck in football pads. And that's just that's just what it felt like all day. Saturday was, man, I would not want to tackle that dude. Um, but overall, it was just the exact perfect showing launched us in into the top 20 um, in the rankings, I think, gave us a little bit of respect. BYU had some respect for some of the teams that they'd beaten throughout the year. Um, and, yeah, just just really, really good showing. And for the first time in our program's history, something that we have complained about as a fan base ad nauseum for a long time, no penalties. We did not, we did not have a single accepted penalty in this game against us. Uh, I think that was huge. Um, Not to say that we didn't commit any, there was probably some stuff that was missed um, as it always is, but just absolutely wonderful. No false starts, no like blatant holding calls that had something get called back. No, bad personal fouls, no pass interferences, nothing like that. Um, I think there's some things that um, we'll need some work coming out of this game that I, I hope we don't ignore in victory, the things that we wouldn't in defeat. Um, they really killed us in the one-on-one deep passing game, um, but don't want to you know end on the low note. Overall, it was just an awesome, awesome Saturday. I think everybody in Baylor Nation was super excited and super happy about it, and we're bowl eligible. Absolutely. Bowl eligible after uh, seven games, six and one. Um, 
And Baylor, like, just completely dominated the line of scrimmage. Ran for over 300 yards. I think that's the third time this year. As a team, we've ran for 300 yards and just really uh, imposed our will on the uh, defensive line of, uh, of BYU. Uh, it was a great game. Like I said, I, I saw the second half, and it was really well in hand. I think when I when I started watching it, it was probably – they probably just scored. So 24-17. And then it quickly was escalated from there. So – it was uh it was definitely a fun a fun game to watch and I was really excited about it. And uh we get a week off. There's no uh, no Baylor game this week, so it's good to we've been lucky as far as like players missing games or um getting banged up, haven't really had a lot of that. So it is a good good week to just halfway point of the season, let everyone just kind of rest and kind of get their bodies right because uh there is wear and tear, even though they're not injured, quote unquote, um, on the bodies, I'm sure. Yeah. And especially considering, uh, you know, after the bye week, we come back and play Texas. That's going to be a tough physical game. And Texas always has a, also has a week off this week. So, yeah. Um, Another you know, 11 a.m. kick. We'll get into that later, but, uh, or next week. But yeah, 11 a.m. on uh, the 30th. So, are you going to make it? I am. Um, not you are? gonna make it. No. No. I'm, that, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna do a day trip. I'm gonna make it up. That is, uh, unfortunately, you'll you'll learn this as your your son gets older. But that's Halloween weekend, and um. Oh, good call. I've seen that debate uh, a lot on on Baylor Twitter about about the Halloween game. And yeah, so it's kind of a. Uh, it's hard for me to make a day trip for sure, and the the next day being like the trick or treat day is kind of a. Uh, pushing it so we're gonna gonna hold off on that one it's probably a smart dad move yeah um so what i thought we uh kind of talked about this during the week we thought we would um give our mid-season awards for baylor so far and we're just like a couple of categories so i want to start off with um let me go through the categories first so it's going to be offensive mvp defensive mvp newcomer and freshman so far in this season so i'm gonna go ahead and kick it off and i i went with my offensive mvp being uh, gary bohannon he's kind of driven that offense and really so far up until last week didn't have thrown an interception he has one interception um and he's accounted for a lot of the offense most of the the kind of the the bus driver for our offense. And I just feel he's been um, quite more than I thought or I even expected that he would do this year. Yeah. Uh, Gary is hands down. I think, um, I think the biggest surprise, even, even the people that thought Gary was going to be good, which I, I didn't have any issue with him being named the starter. I was excited, but I was in the camp of like, Oh, he's going to be, he's the starting quarterback. Cause he's going to give us that extra option with his legs. <laughs> what did I know? Um, the guy can sling it. All of that said, my offensive MVP is is not going to one person, but it is going to, I think, uh, I'm giving it to an entire group that has been the foundation, the backbone, and I really think the even a bigger change than the arm strength and decision-making that Gary has brought, and that's the entire offensive line. We have been plagued the last few years by, let's be honest, subpar 
below average, poor, whatever you want to call it, offensive line play. Um, I think there were a lot of times in early, especially in Charlie Brewer's career with us where we just didn't call a lot of deep balls because we didn't have the faith that we could give him the time to actually do it. Um, it wasn't always just about his arm. Um, we couldn't call a lot of the longer developing passing plays that we wanted to do because we didn't have the time to do it. Um, last year, you look at how poorly we ran the football. It was because we couldn't block anybody. And I mean, if, if they're the, I think it's the Broyles award for the assistant coach of the year. If, yeah. if, if Eric Mateos, um, does not get considered for that award, then they aren't paying attention because the change that this offensive line has had on our offense this year, I, I don't think that there's anything that, um, that can, that can compare. So I'm giving it to all five of those guys and, um, every single guy that's kind of in the rotation that comes into the, the whole offensive line, they could share it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to hold on to the mic here and I'll dive okay. into the next. Cause we got, we got defensive MVP coming up next. And there is one guy that no matter the game, you go put the tape on and he is everywhere on the field. Everybody expects him to get a sack, a pick, a major play, some kind of turnover every single game. And he just keeps doing it. And that's Jalen Petrie, the one who stayed um, yes. the, 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 the kid that I don't know if there's anybody that'll ever bleed Baylor the way that I feel like Jalen Petrie does. And um, that kid is going to be in the Baylor hall of fame. Everything about him speaks to exactly what this fan base loves the most about these teams since rule came in. Um, and now with Aranda. So my defensive MVP, hundred percent Jalen Petrie. Absolutely. There's my pick as well. It's Jalen Petrie there. Um, it started off with the first game. He had an amazing pick and, on the first game of the season, he just had solid performances every single week. Like you said, last week he had forced fumble, fumble recovery, 10 tackles, two and a half for a loss. I mean, he was just all over the place. And, um, I mean, he was even so much so last week, he was like the Reese's senior bill, like defensive player of the week of all of college mm -hmm. football. So, I mean, he just proves it ever since, really since Aranda took over. He's really thrived in this defense with Aranda and Ron Roberts, more so than he even did with under under Matt Rowland and the uh, previous staff. But I would certainly agree with you, and I think that uh, he is definitely going to be the defensive MVP for the halfway point of the season. And uh, I would put good money that it's going to probably carry on to the end of the season as well. Mm -hmm. So I'll keep on going, and I have a, a newcomer of the year, and. I went with Jacob Gall, um, transfer from Buffalo. He is used to the wide zone. He That's what they ran under Lance Leipold when he was at Buffalo. He has come in and just been just a, such a solid, excellent offensive lineman. I was looking earlier this week of the um, the Athletic had their halfway point midseason All-American, and he was second-team All-American for the Athletic, for their staff riders, or their their – all their college football coverage. And so I just feel he's done such an amazing job of kind of running this offense and helping the offensive line that he is my newcomer of, of the midway point so far. So that is, it's such a good pick. I mean, and it's, 
I mean, you can even argue it's the right pick to make. Like, and it it just speaks to my offensive MVP, right? The biggest change that we saw, Jacob Call. It's the right newcomer of the year pick. But I'm picking the fun pick for newcomer yeah. of the year. I'm taking Mr. Riverdance himself, the yeah. last guy that I want to see busting through an offensive line chasing me as a quarterback, and that's Apuika. That dude, that dude has brought a fire and a personality to this defense and to this team that I think we absolutely need like Petrie Bernard, they've got fire and they've got personality, but it's just, they almost, they almost match up with a Randa more, right? It's, it's, it's just kind of this intimidating feeling when they're out there on the field, whereas Ika just brings this, this passion and almost a level of fun to the defense um, that you, that you absolutely have to have. Um, I love watching him play. I love it when he makes a big play. I love the energy that he brings. I love seeing him after wins when he's running around high-fiving the fans. I love seeing him on Twitter when he interacts with people. Absolutely. I'm picking him for my newcomer of the year because I just love the guy. Yeah. And how, um, cool of a a nickname or Twitter handle is is Jackfish. Jackfish. I mean, you gotta love that guy for sure. Absolutely. Um, so you go ahead and you take the uh, the next category. Yeah, I'll close this out here. So the this this last one is, is our freshman of the year. I I couldn't just give it to one guy. Um, there there are two guys, um, and I think there's there's an easy pick here um, because we don't have a whole lot of freshmen that are getting sure. a lot of playing time. Yeah. Um, and the easy pick, and he's gonna get he's gonna get half of it from me, and that's Isaiah Hankins, um, our new kicker. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody expected him to come in and, and be the number one kicker. I think we all expected, uh, John Mayers to come in and continue doing what he's been doing. Um, but Hankins won the job and he's been consistent this year. And so a consistent freshman college kicker, you're going to get the freshman of the year award. That being said, there's another freshman that shows up on the field all the time. He does things that are unrewarded. He's also part of why our running game is so much better this year. And that's Gavin Yates, number 43, the tight end. Um, You'll notice him come in on a lot of heavy sets. He does a lot of the work of blocking. He helps out with that wide zone stuff. And I thought Gavin needed to get his recognition too. So I'm splitting the award between Isaiah and Gavin Yates. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. Um, I didn't think about Gavin Yates, but I did. I was thinking, you know, today when I was making that up, I was like, I really couldn't think of any. I thought there'd been more freshmen, but people who I thought were freshmen turned out to be juniors. So um, <laughs> that's another sign. I was like, old. I was like, man, Al Walcott, he's had like a great, um, get, great season so far, and looking like, oh, he's a junior. Okay, so, uh, but yeah, I went with Isaiah Hankins mostly because he's the only he's like, like you said, the starting kicker. And he's a freshman, and he hasn't been asked to make like game on the line kicks yet. I'm sure that's coming with the as our um, competition is going to really ratchet up the second half of the season, but he makes timely kicks when we needed those three points on the board for sure. Um, he made a uh, Iowa state game comes to mind. And so I really um, think that's why I picked him as being my freshman of the year. Yeah, no, he's, he's got to get at least a share of the award. It's, it's the right way to do it. So before we jump into the uh, the week eight picks, I thought we would have a uh, a general college football discussion, more kind of like a thirty thousand foot view of college football. Because since there is no Baylor game to really dive into, let's just kind of anything that stands out, any kind of storylines, which a lot happened this past week and a lot is continuing to happen this week. 
So, um, so is yeah, a view from the cheap you? seats, if you will, the, yeah. the right spot to throw your mustard. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so what was your, or what are your ideas or takes about the season so far in college football in general? This season is just weird. And I think we've talked about it a lot is there's Georgia and then like everybody else, <laughs> you know, yeah. Bama losing to A&M kind of just surprised me and also didn't surprise me at the same time. Cause A&M A&M's like Texas, right? They've got all the talent in the world. It's just about, can they put it together on a game day and they could beat anybody. Um, and they went out there and they beat Bama. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest takeaway so far this year is week to week. I, I don't know. I don't know what to look at. There, there are multiple games this week where a top 10 team is facing an unranked team and they are the underdogs. So yeah. Iowa State is a touchdown favorite against Oklahoma State, who's undefeated and in the number, top 10. Like, yeah, number eight in the country. Yeah. And uh, Oregon is is number 10 in the country and their dogs in their game this week against oh i i did it's on the tip of my tongue hold on i'll find it for you real quick but yeah they are against ucla they're dogs against ucla two-point dogs so it's just it's just funny to me um that vegas and the the writers and nobody seems to to know who's better and who should be ranked where I think, um, yeah, there's another one. Purdue's ranked 25 in the country and, uh, their dogs, their three point dogs to three and three, Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin's so yeah, it's not just, good. Right. And yeah, Wisconsin's not good. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if that means Vegas doesn't know what's going on or if it's just further proof that rankings don't matter and they're pointless, but, um, that's my biggest takeaway so far. It's just been be- a really weird year. A lot of those have to be like home field advantage lines, right? Yeah, but I mean, are you telling me Jack Trice gives you a seven-point swing? Like, I don't know. We'll talk yeah. about that game more later. I mean, it's on our yeah. list, but like, it's uh, it's yeah, just so I, funny I, to me. I have thoughts about that game, but yeah, I think. Like you, okay, you, when you want to talk about home field, like UCLA, UCLA do we expect UCLA is going to have half the Rose Bowl full for that game? I don't, no, I don't think so. There's no home so. field advantage for UCLA. There's going to be more Oregon fans at that game. And yeah. Oregon's the dog. So it's at UCLA. What's, what's your biggest takeaway? Um, I th- I think the you kind of touched on it, the like the chaotic nature of this this season more so than past seasons. I mean, people want to make the kind of almost will it into existence preseason talking about. This could be like a, a 2007 redo type of type of year, and it kind of has been. And this last week was a pretty big um, testament to that. Is the fact that Iowa was number two in the country, got beat by unranked Purdue, like like beat handily by Purdue. And I remember you may not have been old enough in 07 to into college football. But um, I remember I was a student at Baylor in 2007. All right. All right. (laughs) So, but I remember like that number two spot was like the, the death nail. Cause every time someone got number two, they lost the next week. Mm -hmm. West Virginia, I think at one point was number two or something like that. And that was just a crazy year where um, number two dropped every week. Whoever get number two, they'd get upset. So, so yeah, the chaotic nature of, of the, the season as a whole, I think there's something like 48 ranked teams have lost, which is like the most ever 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, week to week, like there's a ranked team or getting beat by unranked opponents. So it either speaks to we're overhyping teams from the preseason and not really adjusting that once the games start, or it's just it's a kind of like a hangover from that COVID year where teams that were really good or really bad, like they say Baylor, for instance, who are two and seven. So on paper, then that's not a good team. But then they come out war six and they're six and one this year. Same thing with Penn State, who they were. Uh, a poor team as well and then you know they've had a pretty good start to the season so I think maybe we put too much emphasis on 2020 and those teams weren't those records weren't indicative of the actual talent of the team yeah absolutely what do you think and this this is another important topic because of your your secondary fandom Mm -hmm. we've got two blue bloods two of the major programs in college football already in the coaching search in USC after they fired Clay Helton after what, four weeks. And sure. now LSU announced um, earlier this week that, that they wouldn't be retaining Ed Orgeron. That he will, he will finish out the year and they're going to pay him out his 16, $17 million um, and a bunch of payment installments. And then he's yeah. still going to kind of work with the school and help them recruit. Um, so I'll ask you this question. Do you think, uh, who do you think is going to land in those spots? And and as an LSU fan, who do you want to land in that spot? Okay. So I think the, the names I've heard as far as like the possible candidates is uh, James Franklin from, from Penn State. He has coached in SEC before, and his name always comes up. He's like the – Back in the day, he should be like Chris Peterson. When he's at Boise State. Every every season, it would come up. They would say like, "Well, he's a candidate just because he was the the top big coach out there." And seems like, um, like even with the USC job, like James Franklin names comes up for he has no affiliation with California. But other names I've heard recently, like Mel Tucker from Michigan State, who's done a great job. They're seven and zero, and then. I guess Lane Kiffin, those are the big three, the top three that I've heard. Um, other names like Luke Fickle, I don't think he's going to leave the Midwest for, um, for yeah, Louisiana. He's an Ohio guy through and through. Yeah, and 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 he doesn't need to because with Cincinnati going into the Big 12, he's going to be a Power 5 head coach. So until like Ohio State or Notre Dame opens up, he probably is not going anywhere. Yeah, he's going to st- – I think he stays at Cincinnati until Ryan Day – something happens there and he goes back to Ohio yeah. State to avenge the – horrific season he had as the interim coach at Ohio state. Yeah, for sure. Um, but those are the names I've heard. I would personally, I would love to see Lane Kiffin at LSU just for the pure entertainment value. <laughs> just to kind of like make those digs at Saban and be like the, the, the number two program in that, that division, the Western division of the SEC but also to see his offense with the type of talent that you can accumulate at LSU, the type of receivers, especially that you can accumulate at LSU. But I don't think he's going to get the job just because I think he has a little bit too much of that uh, Ed Ogeron off the field antics in him. And Scott Woodward, the athletic director, wants a clean hire. And they want to put yeah, with Lane. The, the other thing I see with Lane is he's, He's bailed on a program early before. I just I don't think he's going to do it again. I think he's going to yeah. stay at Ole Miss at least for three or four years at, at minimum. Now I've heard through 
rumor, of course, but uh, that they are people are saying that representatives of Wayne like are openly like campaigning for the job. Oh, like he wants the LSU job. But um, again, that's just hearsay. So I have heard for LSU specifically, I have I've heard all the names that you have said. Um, I've heard Kiffin. I have heard I've heard Mel Tucker's name a ton from people. Um, That's the name that I feel like anybody that I talk to that has, you know, you know, a list to any of the uh, the the message forum warriors out there that are in, you know, backroom twitter group chats um they every single person has lane kiffin and mel tucker on that list um but one name you didn't have that i've heard a lot or at least that's that might be high on woodward's list not that he would come and take the job but that's uh mario cristobal from oregon yeah um i've heard like he's he's high on the wish list now i don't know why you would leave you know uh being nike's best friend uh, to to head down to LSU. I don't know if I don't know if LSU is a better job than Oregon. Um, the the Pac-12 is a little bit easier to win, or probably a lot easier to win actually. Um, and you've got Nike in your back pocket. Oregon will pay you whatever you want. And you've got the, some of the best facilities in the country. Um, that's not a knock on LSU. It's a plus on Oregon. Yeah. But I just I keep going back to Mel Tucker, and he's got an SEC pedigree. He, I believe, has worked for both Saban and Kirby Smart before he went to Colorado. Yeah, um, Saban has hired him three times. You know, and he, he hired him at Michigan State as a graduate assistant at LSU in 2000, at Alabama, and then, of course, like you said, he was defensive coordinator for Kirby Smart when he took the Georgia job. Right, and he, Mel Tucker, has gone and proved it. Like he's done a stellar job at Michigan State, and that's not an easy place to go do a stellar job. Um, you're the little brother in that state and you always will be. And you're also having to recruit against Ohio state. So um, I think Mel Tucker is the most interesting option to come back to the sec. Um, I feel like he's got the right attitude and the right personality to manage that job. I think, I think Mel, Tuck- Mel Tucker is the, the best hire that LSU could make. Yeah. And there, he has another thing, the, Another wrinkle to this whole thing is that LSU's new president, William Tate, is the the first African-American school president in the SEC, and he was just hired. And he has an idea he wants to have, or at least vet a African-American head football coach to be the first LSU African-American head football coach in history. So there's that that element to it as well. Not that it's the only huge for them. not the only criteria, but it's it's worth keeping an eye on. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that wouldn't surprise me. Like, and again, I think he's the best hire. Like, regardless of anything else, I think Mel Tucker might be the best hire for that job. And what the name that I think people aren't mentioning and they're discounting, and I was thinking about this today is, is Lincoln Riley. And I have nothing to base this on. This is pure speculation. But Scott Woodward is like works in the shadows. He like with the Kim Mulkey thing. You didn't hear about that until it was re- it was about to happen. He also loves to spend money. Yeah. So and you know he's Lincoln has stayed in Oklahoma, and he's had like overtures from NFL teams, and he stayed there. And Oklahoma's a great job, and he's done very well there. However. LSU is like a top five job 
in college football. They have the facilities, the recruiting, and like, you know, opposite of Michigan State, it's the only power five school in a talent-rich state. So you can really just pick the best players in Louisiana and in surrounding states and just load up. Now, he may not leave, and it, he they're about to be in the SEC, so he may not see a point of it. He has a young family, maybe happy in, in Norman. But um, he's a type of hire that Scott Woodward, I can see making, you know, that big home run hire that he's going to swing for the fences for. I, I, I also, I would just love it. Just another thing from just to watch it happen. <laughs> that would be, that would be an intriguing, an intriguing uh, happening. Uh, if, yeah. if something like that were to, to, to come out and you're right. I mean, Woodward, nobody, uh, I remember when people were talking about, Hey, Jimbo Fisher might go to A&M. And I was like, wait, no, there's no way Jimbo Fisher is going to go to A&M. And then, Woodward paid him $70 million. So um, also just, just so everybody knows Jimbo Fisher is not going to LSU. This is no. not going to happen. Now I've, I've heard there's that, that's on both sides. I've heard that they're like yes. big money guys at LSU. They don't want to mess with it because they had such a poor experience in, in 2015 when the job was open with uh, his agent that they are just mm. don't want to even, they're not even going to call Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, I've heard Woodward really enjoys that that rumor is out there because it smoke screens for the other stuff that he's doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, what I, I want to while we're touching on like a silly season, it's called with coaching hires. Um, there was a recent job that just came open. Uh, Washington State fired for cause. There for cause, Nick, yeah, Nick Rolovich because he failed to comply with a state. Um, state of Washington em- employee mandate that you have to be vaccinated by uh, October 18th, which was yesterday. And what are your thoughts? Like how in the scale of, of stupidity, how stupid is Nick Rolovich? Man, this is a, this is, this is a Mount Rushmore fumbling the bag situation here. For sure. The guy was making $3 million a year. I don't know what ev- what evidence you need. This isn't political. Like, if you think we're getting political no. here, it's not. It's science. No. I'm sorry. There, I, I've I'm double dosed with the vaccine. I have been for a very long time. I got it really early on because my wife is a teacher, and it was made available to me because I live in the same house as a teacher, and it was made available to them. And nothing's happened to me. My wife was pregnant when she got the vaccine. My baby is perfectly happy and healthy. Nothing's gonna happen to you. Except like, for the superpowers, but that's that's not yeah. Super. Well, yeah, we don't talk about those. You, yeah. you only you only find you you get the the phone number to call about your superpowers after you get the vaccine. Yeah. Um, and also it makes your five G work way better. <laughs> um, but no, man, like come on, like I know he filed for a religious exemption, and I think it was something around him being a Catholic, and even the Pope has come out and said, "Nope, that's not a thing. Get vaccinated." So, I can't imagine. You know, like there, I've seen people talking about how he's standing up for his beliefs, but what are the beliefs? Like he's never actually come out and stated um, exactly what it is. It's like every time somebody brings that up, you know, once you get to that next step to answer the question, there's so many people. Well, that's personal. That's HIPAA. Like whatever it is they want to say, whatever excuse. And it blows my mind. Um, I saw Stu Mandel, who I think has been a big enemy for a lot of big 12 folks over the last few months. Yeah. Um, and he said some pretty dumb stuff, but on this, 
he talked about how we we don't even know what Rolovich's beliefs are. He never even gave that to us. And somebody replied to him saying, well, uh, he doesn't owe us that. And Mandel said, yeah, and Washington State doesn't owe him a job. Yeah. And uh, that's just what it is. So, you know, I guess if you believe that strongly in it, that you don't want to make $3 million a year doing the job that you love in an industry that has a limited pool of jobs available, and this is going to really put a black mark on your record and it's going to be really really hard to get back to this level ever again if at all possible i i, I guess more power to you but i think you're dumb so that's how i feel about yeah, it my, my thing is like and also like alex kirshner from um split zone duo he's been a on top of rolovich this whole time just because he is knowingly putting his players and and coaching staff at risk um, and just felt yeah, like I saw he tweeted there's something like 200 people that that Rolovich regularly has to interact with, like yeah. directly interact with on a daily basis that he's putting at risk. And so I, I looked at it like more from the like the stupidity of in a, in an industry to where you can get to the pinnacle. You know, you're a power five head coach, and you can do a a shitty job and get fired and walk away with multiple millions of dollars for to not coach to to be fired for cause is just so dumb even art browse walked away with like 15 mil and he could have been fired for cause but he wasn't i mean it's just it's mind-boggling that all you had to do is take a something that's for your well-being is going to hurt help you it's go just get the, go get the single shot like go get the johnson and johnson yeah you don't even have to go twice just go get the first just go get the one just get that one yeah let's we'll go off i'll go off on a tangent so we need to let's yeah. rate it back into college football <laughs> yeah the, the answer to your question is rolovich dumb <laughs> very stupid um anything else that uh about this football season or anything that um that you think about as far as like the coaching coaching carousel. I know you, we mentioned USC and that's really been once the rumor started with the LSU, it's like, it's gone like quiet. There's like no rumors about USC. Yeah. And that's why they, that's why they did what they did with coach. O. they didn't want to, they didn't want to let that job get enough steam to where they would actually have to compete with it in, in the market. Um, USC, um, I could go on a long tangent about them. They were one of my favorite schools growing up. I was a big OU fan, and I also loved USC. I just there was something about them. They were always on at night too. Um, but I don't, I don't know why you would want that job. The Coliseum isn't nice. I've been there. Um, the campus isn't great. Like you compare it to UCLA's campus, it's it's nowhere near the same. Um, the location isn't great. It's it almost kind of feels like a commuter school, even though it's not. Um, and the Southern California fan base just doesn't show up to anything like we talked about with UCLA. Um, so yeah. I just don't know why you'd want that job. Um, I mean, you're going to you get paid a lot of money, I guess. But I don't I don't think they're going to be able to get a James Franklin. That's the name I think I've heard more than any that think that people think will head out there. Um you know, and it's it, what's really funny to me. Um, I saw somebody mention that 
you know, David Aranda's name has come up a ton with the, yeah. the LSU job. I don't think there's any chance that David Aranda goes there. I'll just go ahead and since we didn't talk about that at all, I don't think his personality matches up. I think I don't think LSU thinks his personality matches up. And I don't think David Aranda has any plans of leaving Baylor anytime soon. Um, yeah. Of course, things change and money people, matters. People, in you know, with, you know, connections to the program, they don't think he's a candidate. Yeah. But I, I think it, it might have been uh, Omegas on Twitter who said um, – he found it interesting that that Dave Aranda's from Southern California, yet his name hasn't come come up a single time around that job. But then suddenly it has around LSU because he was the DC there for a little while. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just part of it too. Like LSU is an infinitely better job, even right now with everything that they have going on in the background um, and a lot of the issues that exist there. Like LSU is a better job than USC. I, th- I think part of it is he, while he's from there, he hasn't lived there in a very long time. Yeah, uh, I mean, you got to think like he went from after his um, bachelor's in California, you know, he got his master's degree at Texas Tech, and then he coached at Houston. Then he went to Utah, then Hawaii, then Hawaii, went, then back to Utah, and then Wisconsin, Wisconsin. LSU. So I mean, he's raised his family mostly has been in in a little Wisconsin and then the South. For, mm-hmm. for the most part so so yeah i don't know he's 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 not like a guy that i would think will you look at his career or he hasn't spent a lot after college not a lot of time in california but i don't know who they would get i really have no idea what usc is going to do yeah i wouldn't put any like you gave me odds you give me odds on candidates i wouldn't put anybody down i just have no idea USC, yeah. who usc can get and um other jobs that could open, they haven't opened yet, but I've heard some people talking about like possibly Miami with Manny Diaz getting uh, the boot. And so that's a weird job because it's, it's Miami and we all have seen the documentaries and heard about the U, but they've been so far removed from that for so long that it's kind of just a, a middling to bottom tier ACC team. Yeah, they had a really good about what 20 year run from yeah. the early early 80s to the early 2000s. They yeah. had a really good they had a really good run, but outside of those those decades when really the 80s, 90s and early early 2000s, historically they're not a great football program. Um and it's hard to recruit there. Yeah, it's hard to recruit there. It's a tiny tiny school. It's a private um, school. Yeah. Um and yeah, I mean, it, Coral Gables is beautiful. It's yeah. gorgeous, but they don't have their own stadium. It's off campus. They, That's another you know, problem. So, yeah. They play I mean, in what the is, NFL stadium and they can't. Of course, you're not going to fill up a 70,000 seat stadium, especially for a school that small. Yeah, it's just they don't they don't produce enough enough alumni to ever have like that built in fan base. So they have to rely on the ex- excitement of the city around them and people carrying and i don't think people care that much about the dolphins in miami there's just it's like la there's just too much to do for people to actually care about the college team that's there yeah for sure so let's move on to our picks we're kind of getting up against it um time wise so we have let me see i think eight games yeah eight games this week none of which involve baylor as they are off this week 
but I thought we would start off just like we normally do, going chronological order. Uh, first game is on Friday night on ESPN two. It is Memphis at UCF, and the last I checked, UCF was still a two point favorite in this game, and they have an FPI of sixty four percent to win this game. What? And I'll tell you, the line actually has moved. Okay. It is now uh, UCF by one and a half. Really? Okay. Um, how do you see this game going? Uh, I picked UCF to cover when it was at two. So I'm going to continue to pick UCF to cover at one and a half. Okay. I'm <laughs> um, right there with you. It's, it's a toss-up game, but it's UCF at home. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, I think this is their space game. They're wearing the, like cool space jerseys. Yeah, I think the sure. crowd will be wild. I think it'll be a fun game. Memphis is a solid team. Um, I'll be watching because it's going to be Friday night. It's going to start mm-hmm. after my son goes to bed. So six o'clock is right around his bedtime. So I'll get to watch at least the second quarter on. And um, and yeah, like you, you you tell me that the computers FPI is giving them 64%. I'll take a point and a half. So yeah, I'm taking UCF. All right. Me too. I'm right there with you. I think UCF, um, they're going to really want to have a bounce back game after they got completely boat raced by Cincinnati last week and Memphis, I think is having like a little bit of a down year, you know? So yeah, I'm going with, uh, especially like you said, with one and a half, I'm going to continue to ride with, uh, with UCF against Memphis this week. All righty. So let's, let's go into our first big 12 game. So we'll start to the early games on Saturday, 11 Mm AM on ESPN, Oklahoma makes the daunting trip all the way up to Lawrence, Kansas to face the fighting Jayhawks of the University of Kansas. Uh, last I saw this line was at 38 and a half Oklahoma. Uh, like I said, it's going to be the 11 a.m. game on ESPN and FPI is giving Oklahoma a, a measly 99% chance to win this game. What do you got on this, Matt? Well, I was I struggled with this one a little bit just because 38 and a half is such a huge number in Oklahoma has been weird this year, as far as when it comes to against the spread. Um, but then I remembered, oh, yeah, I take Kansas minus uh, plus anything every every week. So, uh, yeah, so I'm taking Oklahoma to cover the 30 and a half and um, take care of uh, Kansas this weekend. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm on the same page where it's like, that's a lot of points, but it's Kansas and Oklahoma is playing like Oklahoma again. Now that Caleb yeah. Williams is playing quarterback, um, there's all these like, can you can you come in as a backup and play half the season and win the Heisman conversations around it, which I think is personally crazy. That's another wow. topic. That's a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm taking OU to cover in this one. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, they uh, Caleb Williams looks great. Um, they kind of look like which makes me wonder, like what was happening in practice? that you started Spencer Rattler for half the season. Like, let's see. What's going on? Lincoln can't get everything right. Okay. (laughs) Our next 11 11 a.m. game uh, in the Big 12 is the Kansas State Wildcats traveling to Lubbock. They're going to take on your Red Raiders. Um, Last I checked, it was uh, Raiders had a one point. Yes, and they still do. They have a one point favorite to win this game this game is 11 a.m on 
FS1, and they FBI has them a 59% chance to win this game. How do you see this going? So if this was like the Kansas State of old that was like a Snyder coach team that was in a down year going into this game, I'd say, oh, yeah, this is 100% one of those Kansas State games where they're going to come in and win this game. Tech has a really suspect defense, but I don't trust anything Kansas State's doing right now. If you watched that Iowa State-Kansas State game last weekend, I mean, it was just there was clearly a better team on the field. And I just, I have, I don't have a lot of faith in Kansas state right now. So it's a, it's a home game. So it's a toss and it's kind of a toss up. Even FPI is saying 59% and it's only yeah. a point. Uh, yeah. I think tech can win by a field goal. So I'm taking tech to cover. Here's my thing. Uh, tech has had this weird season to where they have a good game. They have a bad game. I mean, look at if I'm looking back at their their schedule so far. They start off with Houston, had a great game, beat Houston. Then they played close to SFA, Stephen F. Austin. Then they took care of FIU, lost to Texas by 35. Took care of West Virginia, albeit barely, and then got blown out by TCU. Then last week they got Kansas and they had a great game. This is along that pattern of they're going to have a bad game. So. I'm picking the Wildcats to win outright. I, I like your I like your reasoning. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> and the next game on our list is we're um, taking a look at Cincinnati. This is also an 11 a.m. game on ESPN2. They are a 27-and-a-half-point favorite over Navy. Um, they have a very small 97% chance, according to FPI. And – I'm going to roll with what I did last week um, and go with Cincy minus all those points because they're getting style points. They're trying to make the playoff, and they're going to be scoring a lot of points at will on um, on Navy. So I, Cincy at some point has to play a stinker of a game. It's, it's, it's going to happen. And I feel like Navy is, is one of those teams that's perfect to have your – this like crud game for so i don't think since he has any chance of losing this game but i think since he maybe just kind of lays an egg on the road at navy and and they win by 21 or 14 instead of 28 points so i am taking a since win but a navy cover all right so let's let's get out of the american for a little bit let's let's so a lot of these games are I call them a little bit less than fun. Let's I think this this next one that we're going to talk about, it's the the 230 game on Fox national televised game. It's probably the biggest game in the Big 12 this week. Very interesting game for Baylor fans, just as it pertains to uh, the conference standings. Yeah, we have Oklahoma State heading to Ames. It's homecoming in Ames this week um, to face off against the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, like I said, 230 game on Fox. FPI is giving a 78% chance for Iowa State to win this game. Um, Iowa State is also a seven-point, a full touchdown favorite. And we talked about this earlier. Oklahoma State is undefeated in the top 10. Iowa State has two losses to Iowa and to Baylor this season um, and is the favored team. Iowa State's unranked. I'm very, very interested to see what happens in this one. Um, Iowa State winning is, the, I think, the, the right 
best scenario for Baylor fans. Um, you want we we have that tiebreaker yes. over Iowa State right now, so we want them to keep winning. Um, and I think they do it. I think this is going to be Oklahoma State's first loss of the season. Um, Baylor has a really good defense. Yes, Iowa State has another level defense, and. I just I think that Spencer Sanders is going to really struggle. I think Iowa State is absolutely going to shut this team down, and it's Brocktober. Brock Purdy is going to go out and he's going to have a good game, and Brees Hall is superhuman. And he, even though Oklahoma State might have the second best defense, maybe the third best defense in the Big Twelve depends toss up between us and them. I think, um, I think Brees Hall can run over anybody. He put 190 yards on us. Don't see why he can't do that against Oklahoma State. Um, and I think I, Iowa State is going to win this game. That being said, I think it's going to be very close. I don't know if they're going to cover that full touchdown. I think it might be a four-point win. So I'm taking Iowa State to win, but Oklahoma State to cover. Okay. I um, would absolutely hate to play Iowa State this part of the season. Yeah. Um, it's just that their the DNA of their makeup uh, maybe I think it's a Matt Campbell, how he um, coaches his team, how they take it easy in the summertime, getting in fall camp, and they kind of come out a little bit cold and a little bit slow. And I'm so glad that Baylor got them in the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now they they look really good. They're playing really good um, football. They – are just one of those teams that I'm glad we got that tiebreaker win over them just in case things happen at the end of the year. And it's uh you have the same record as Iowa State. You have the tiebreaker with the win, the head-to-head. So I would really hate to go to Ames in the middle of October, and especially if I'm from a further south location. Mm-hmm. So I this isn't a night game, so it's not going to be quite probably as – chilly as it may be um but i'm gonna take iowa state to cover i think they're gonna win by uh by i think seven's good so i think they'll win by i'll call it 10 yeah i think uh stats of war um he's got uh he he does breakdowns for every single game every week and he i think he's got uh it was a double digit win was kind of his analytics yeah. prediction of that game so we we will see for sure um Stepping into our speaking of Washington State, we talked about them earlier. They are, I don't even know if they have an interim coach. I don't know who's coaching Washington State. Their interim coach is uh Jake, or he's the acting head coach, and he is Jake Dickert, is his name. Well, there you go. So uh Coach Dickert will have to take on the reeling BYU Cougars who just go off of two straight losses. Um they we're going to be out for blood, I'm for sure. And they are – I have a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't know if that's moved. That did move. It started it's, off lower, yes. Yeah, it's it's moved again. It's so moved again. The, okay. that line was two this morning, and yes. it's already – it's up to four-and-a-half now. Okay, yeah. So – and I think I think BYU is going to uh, easily cover that, especially with everything going on in Washington State, kind of the – the turmoil with the – it's not just Rolovich. It was like half his coaching staff. Yeah, he had four assistants also get fired. So it's like you only have like, what, nine or ten assistant coaches? 
So almost half yeah. of his coaching staff has gone with him. So, so you have new coach, either new coaches coming in. I don't know what they're doing about assistant coaches. Um, I think the AD said they're going to bring in some from outside. So I don't know what that whole situation's like. It can't be good for a morale of a team or the culture. So I, I think BYU is going to easily cover the uh, the four and a half points and uh, take care of uh, uh, some cougar on cougar violence. Yeah, I, I agree with you here. Uh, FPI is giving it 59%, but this is one of those situations where the computer doesn't understand context because it yeah. just can't. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm taking BYU, BYU to cover that four and a half. Uh, I, I did love it this morning. So just to give you guys out there that are listening a peek behind the curtain, nor- normally on the morning of uh, the days that we record, Matt, I'll put together a little spreadsheet for us that'll have the the breakdowns of everything that we're talking about. So what are what's the line? What's the FPI? Um, what's the time in the channel and and the games that we're going to be talking about. So it's easy for us to make our picks. And when he originally sent it to me at eight or nine this morning, I saw that BYU was a two point favorite and I texted him and I said, is that line is like, is that current after last night's news? And then he was like, Oh no, it's moved to three and a half. And I was like, God, that's still free money. Um, So if you're, if you're the gambling type out there, I live in Texas, so I can't gamble. Um, but if you are, I would, I don't, as long as it doesn't get up to one of those 38 and a half or 27 and a half lines, like, I don't think there's really anything high enough that I wouldn't take BYU on this, this weekend. I completely agree. (laughs) All right. So we got, let's, let's go back to the American before we close out the big 12. We've got our 3 PM game this week on ESPN. Um, we have East Carolina heading to my hometown of Houston, Texas to face off against the Houston Cougars. U of H is a 13 point favorite. They're getting 87% from FPI. Matt, what do you think about this game? Uh, Houston's playing really good. Um, so ECU is not a good team. So I think they are easily going to cover that 13 points and um, take another win, put, chuck another one up for the win, calling for the Cougars. Yeah, I agree. I think this one's a pretty simple one. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, pretty straightforward game. I'm taking U of H and they're going to cover. In our final Big 12 game, we have the West Virginia Mountaineers taking on the fighting Gary Pattersons of TCU. Uh, TCU was, when I made this, was a four and a half point favorite. I'm taking a look now. They are still a four and a half point favorite. Um, FBI has a 70% chance to win. This is a, a night game. And I think, well, let's start with you. What do you think about this game? So I originally, and on our spreadsheet, I have TCU covering. Yeah. I'm flipping that. So yes, as you and I have talked about offline, um, today we had another wonderful Gary Patterson moment where, um, a TCU alumni, I think that's living in Atlanta, wrote an article on Medium about how it was time for Patterson to go. And at his presser today, apparently Patterson read the article and went on a seven-minute rant um, about it. And I think the, one of the more memorable quotes was he said he hopes the kid wins a Pulitzer someday, but for right now he needs to get his facts straight. Um, and it's just the latest in a trend of Gary Patterson focusing on the wrong things on game week which he of course closed out the rant by saying um, he doesn't care about any of this. He's just focused on, um, on West Virginia this week, but he went on this. Also, I have to preface this. The, the rant was unprompted. He just went into it. 
Um, so just weird, erratic behavior from Gary uh, and West Virginia's do some good luck. So, you know what? I'm taking West Virginia straight up to win this game. That was kind of my, um, my name or my, um, thinking because West mainly when I, cause I made the pick and I wrote it in a spreadsheet, I had West Virginia, but it was mainly because they got to get one eventually, right? You know, they got to get, get, you know, luck has to go their way. Just the nature of football and TCU's defense is like, is not good. Not that West Virginia's offense is, is great, but they do have some talent um, on that side of the ball in spots. But I think it's one of those games like they've played Oklahoma close. They played Texas Tech close. They should have beat Texas Tech, quite honestly. Um, and most of the – I mean, they beat Virginia Tech. So they've, they've had good moments during the during the season. And I think they've had, they're coming off of a week off. TCU isn't. They're coming off of a beating. And so I just think it's – it's, West Virginia's getting TCU in a, in a good spot. So I, I, that's why I got them to win. And that's yeah. before all this happened. Now, yeah, of course, because <laughs> this is kind of the same thing that happened, whatever the last. It was the Texas. The Texas. Game. Yeah, the Texas game again. And so I think he was the, he was all he was all upset over SMU. Yes. So. It's I'm, I'm looking over Twitter right now at these TCU uh, Gary Patterson tweets and it's. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> To be that, I can't imagine being that small of a man that you would right. have, feel the need to comment on everything. You make six million dollars a year. Six, you're the tenth. I think he's the tenth highest paid coach in college football. It's just, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> the medium article took about five minutes to read. Like it was, and if I'm if if I'm being honest with you, I don't want to be critical of the kid that wrote it, but. Like he kind of contradicts himself. He says the offense sucks, and then goes in to talk about how TCU actually has some really high rankings in the uh, in the SMP, and that their offense actually is, isn't that bad. And then he talks about how bad their defense is, and he's like, "But we also have a ton of injuries." So when you read the article, it doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense. It's just fun to read a TCU fan say that Gary Patterson should be out. But the fact that Gary read it like somebody sent it to him and he read it and then felt the need to sit in front of reporters and refute it in some way my god yeah so it's i i I agree with the the premise of the article or the post whatever it is yeah i think it's probably time it's time for and it's been like 20 something years and it's the it's kind of the same way as some other other kind of coaching changes we've seen where whether it be um, in basketball or football, coaches who've successful coaches who've decided to step away just because they're not fit for the way the game is evolving with NIL and transfer portal and Mm -hmm. one time. It's do you want to be Bob Stoops mm -hmm. or do you want to be Mac Brown? Yeah, for sure. And and, you know, Gary, in his rant today, he said something that I think made sense. He said, he said, you know, don't come at me and tell me you want to fire me about wins and losses when you've been somewhere as long as, as he has. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This is yeah. an exact quote. But um, he basically said, I've been here for 24 years. And sometimes when somebody's been there that long, you just want to hear a new voice. If that's the case, then say that. And I could feel that that was the offense that he was taking and where he was like, 
these people just don't appreciate what I've done for them. And they're just tired of me. And like, God, be a bigger man. You know, Gary, you know, you just want to make country music anyway. Come on. Yeah, he was good. talking about with SMU with the. Uh, to be to be honest though, his 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 contract's up in twenty twenty four. I hope they extend him. I want Gary around forever. I, I like I like current Gary in this college football. I like the Gary that hates nil. I just want the Gary. I'm glad that people are coming around to like. He's not this like football savant that is just like this great coach and he'll coach him up. And I think it's been proven with the the way his defense is playing because without. Um, those two safeties they had for all those years with uh, Moreg and Washington, whenever they left with the NFL, that back half of that defense has gone downhill fast. Mm-hmm. But enough about Gary Patterson. I think we are running up against about an hour, probably a little bit over an hour by now. But I did have a non-football question I wanted to pose to you to close the, the podcast. And it's just a general question, Joe. Like, is there anything that you're watching, reading, or listening to that's uh, really got you got you going right now? Oh man, anything that I'm watching, reading, or listening to right now that's got me going. So I did not get into Squid Game, which every every person got into. Me, um, I haven't watched it yet. So I'm not I'm not big into like gore and like in blood stuff. Like mm-hmm. I just it didn't sit well with me. It just never has. So. Um, that was the first question I asked and people were like, if you don't like gore, you're not going to be into this show. So, um, I'll probably like read the plot synopsis so I can at least understand, um, what's going on. Yeah. But yeah, I probably won't watch squid game. Uh, I have actually with the memes. That's what you gotta know what the memes. Ex- exactly. You gotta know. Um, I, and I, I feel really ashamed. I'm, I, I was a Ted Lasso stand from day one when the first show came out, I'm still way behind on Ted Lasso. Um, I've had a sick baby three out of the last four weeks. And in the middle of that, I also made a trip to Waco. Um, so I haven't, I haven't done a whole lot yet. Um, I will say the sour grapes podcast is back um, with Amy and Etta. Okay. Highly recommend that anytime there's an episode that comes out, uh, you should 100% listen to it. Um, and if you want more Gary Patterson news, they will always touch on the goings on of, of the wait. hilarity that is, that is Gary Patterson. Cannot um wait. And on the listening front, we, we did get some news today um, that I'm very excited about, that the 1012 Network is adding a Baylor podcast with Matt is Bear and Evan A. Bear, and uh, it's going to be called Between Two Bears. So um, they've already got their episode zero up, which is absolutely, it's like two minutes long, and it's absolutely hilarious already. Um, I can't wait to listen to those two guys uh, kind of rant and rave about everything that's not sports on a sports podcast. So um, those are that's what I'm looking forward to listening to. And then whenever the next Sour Grapes comes out, I'll 100% be listening to that. What is there any other podcast? Because I'm a, I'm a big like podcast guy, you know, I, so much so I started a podcast with you. But um, <laughs> is there anything non-sports related that you listen to any kind of podcast that you've been listening to? Oh man. So I used to listen to like the Ross, uh, Ross Bolin a lot. I think he's pretty funny. Um, and his stuff's pretty easy to consume and like small little pieces. Um, when game of Thrones was around, I used to listen to he, sure. he, this, the same one. He, he had a, a podcast called oyster oysters, clams and cockles. That mm-hmm. was a, a game of Thrones podcast that I always listened to. And I think it's going to come back. Um, now that, um, the house of the dragon, the house of the dragon is coming. Yeah. So, 
even though as as much as I hated the last season of Game of Thrones, they're going to drag me right back in and watch this. Um, so oh, yeah, they got me. They got me already. <laughs> they're like teaser trailer. But yeah, most of the podcasts I listen to are sports based. I listen to the ODB stuff um, mainly. And uh, but yeah, any anytime I'm kind of just like looking for something, I listen to Ross Boland. Um, and, uh, yeah, the podcasts I used to listen to in the past, um, were also around movies. So I will listen to like the one take pod every once in a while. Um, that one's got okay. uh, Dex Hinton and Roy Nogletree. Um, that's a really, really good pop podcast to listen to whenever I'm it's looking film, for like film podcast, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. On movies. Um, and yeah. I think they touch on TV a little bit sometimes too, but, uh, especially when I'm on like road trips, when I'm driving, I love listening to them. Or if I have um, like a bunch of Excel work to do at work, um, I'll throw them on if I'm wanting to change a pace from sports. Yeah. Uh, on podcast front, I recently, um, so there's a little bit about me. I'm a huge like Metallica fan. Uh-huh. Um, so they recently, it was, it's the 20, no, 30th anniversary of the uh, the Black Album released in 1991. So they released a like eight episode podcast kind of chronicling them going back and telling stories about the creation of that album. Um, and that's been really fun in their own words, kind of telling like different stories of where their mindset was and things like that. So I've been listening to that um, on non-sports podcast i'm i'm a big fan of what they do at um the ringerverse podcast with the pop culture comic book fantasy you know really just uh nerd culture stuff that i'm into so they have a great podcast that they do with they do like uh, instant recaps with uh, a couple of guys that they like instant takes and it's it's really funny one of the guys there is van lathan he's from baton rouge he uh won an academy award so it's a it's a fun podcast and um but i'm like you i listen to mostly sports podcasts i listen of course the listen to t bob a bears podcast about lsu football uh, also i'm i'm a big like i want sports content but also want it to be like funny and entertaining so i'm a, I'm a big fan of people who are funny and entertaining um watching i'm not really watching anything um, I'm like you. I haven't watched Squid Game yet. Um, I probably plan on doing it, um, but I don't really watch TV. Yeah, man. I, I go to bed. <laughs> yeah. If it's not the weekend, like I, you know, t- like we're gonna record this. It's it's gonna be like 9:30 when we're done, yeah. and I'm I'm gonna go make a handful of bottles for tomorrow for daycare, and then I'm gonna go lay down and go to bed. <laughs> um. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I'm going to probably do some dishes and then go to bed. Um, but yeah, so I, and there's not really like, I'm with you. Like if there's a, like I watch all like the um, Marvel Disney plus shows. Um, I'm really mm-hmm. into that. So there's not really anything going on on that front right now. So I've kind of been, it's kind of like a lull, which is good. Cause it gives you more time to like watch football. Need and, some um, more Mandalorian though. Yeah. And it's coming up quick. The House of Boba Fett or House of Yeah, House of Boba Fett's coming out, I think, in December. So, but um reading, uh, it's kind of listening. Um, I don't really have time to sit down and read. So I, I do like audible, so I listen to audiobooks. And I'm actually gonna pull it up now because I can't remember the title. I think it's called The Club. Have you ever heard it? You've heard this book? Mm-mm. So it was 
um, another podcast I listened to. They recommended it. I think it was Andy Staples podcast. But anyway, the club basically is the story of the creation of the Premier League. The creation of the Premier League. And I've been listening to that and it's really good. That's awesome. Uh, one book um, that I, if you're really into sports and, and you want to read something cool, one that I've always loved and I highly recommend to people is a book called Three and Out. It's it's by John Bacon and it's about the three years that Rich Rod spent at Michigan and everything that led up to it and everything that kind of like led to his downfall and firing. Um, and it's it's such a unique look behind the scenes of a football program that changes its priorities and its expectations of what its fans and its boosters want and how you can absolutely mismanage all of that stuff and how it really put Michigan in the situation that they're in today, even. Um, and you see a lot of this going on at like Texas and Tennessee. Um, so yeah, if you want a cool sports book to read, I highly recommend three and out. Awesome. Uh, before we get out of here, I have to write a wrong that was done and earlier in the podcast, uh, we talked about the Baylor BYU game and not one of us mentioned Dylan Doyle. Oh yeah, this is true. We didn't, he's a beast. I mean, you're talking rushing touchdown, a sack, receiving touchdown, a sack, four tackles. And he had another tackle for loss, I think. My idea was I was, I was going to try to incorporate the, uh, like, the Roy Kent, like, anthem song. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't find a good audio copy of it anywhere. And I'm not going to sing it. So, I'll, spoken word with Dylan Doyle is like, he's – here he's there, he's every fucking where. He's, he's Dylan every Doyle. fucking where. That was Dylan Doyle against BYU. A, I think it was Sir Fahrenheit on Twitter said we needed to make we needed to let him throw a touchdown too. For sure, we have to. By the, I mean, now the best part about that game though is it's not even the two touchdowns that he got. It's that he's been lining up at fullback all year for us. When I was uh, when I was up in the press box for the West Virginia game, I was sitting next to Travis Roeder and. I noticed Doyle was out at fullback and I leaned over to Travis and I said, is that a new thing? Has he done that before this year? And Travis, of course, on his laptop immediately pulled up a bunch of clips of how Dylan Doyle has been there all year because Travis has everything ready to go all the time. He's a genius. Um, But yeah, Doyle's been playing fullback for us all year and um, Griffin. And I can't remember who he was calling the game with this weekend. Didn't realize that on the commentary because they were acting like it was a new thing. Yeah. Um, But now for the rest of the season, the rest of the games that we play, anytime he comes in at fullback on the goal line, they're going to have to respect him, and that makes it easier for us to score. Um, it's going to make it easier for Abram Smith. It's going to make it easier for Ebner. It's going to make it easier for Ben Sims. So yeah. just, just epic. I love it. Yeah, and what I learned from Travis, um, we were watching, it was after, I think it was a West Virginia game, and, you know, he does his Sunday, like, recap with, like, the um, – breakdown of the film and people were very um, had a lot of like critiques for the jet sweeps you run they're not, they're not successful really and then there's the one play i don't know if you remember whenever um ben sims catches that long touchdown pass kind of like on a wheel route mm-hmm. and the reason that is because they fake the jet and then the safety commits down to the jet sweep and ben sims runs past him to be wide open mm-hmm. that's why you run those jet sweeps and that's what I learned from Travis doing his like Sunday film review. And I was like, absolutely. Cause 
he read the jet sweep, that safety came crashing down, and it was a wide-open touchdown. Yep. There, there are times where you give up the ability to gain, you know, four yards yeah. so that you can gain 40 yards later. Yeah. Well, it's getting late. Um, on the way out of here, why don't you uh, Yeah, everybody's getting some, where some bonus minutes you. of our voice. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, everybody can find me at, on Twitter at, uh, at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman, um, where my musings always land. What about you, Matt? Where's the best way to find you? Um, you can find me, um, on Twitter is the best place. That's, um, that's where I'm normally hanging out. Um, and that's at Matt D workman. And if uh, people want to follow the podcast itself, it's at the bear den pod. And that's all I got for this uh, this evening. Uh, you have a good night, and um, we'll see you next week. Awesome. Thanks, man. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.